What's going on, everyone? It's Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com coming back with another episode of the RMR podcast today, joined by special guests, NFL legend, Heisman Trophy winner and cannabis entrepreneur, Ricky Williams. How are you doing today, Ricky? I'm great. Great. Hell yeah, man. Stoked to have you on here. We got we got a couple things to talk about, converse about. But before we get started with anything, every guest, I kick off the episode with their origin story around the plant. The plant being cannabis, man. So just curious, kind of when you and cannabis uh, started your relationship with one another. You know, you know, sometimes you you like meet somebody, you know, you meet a lady and it's a friend of a friend and you kind of notice each other. But it's like a year or a couple of years later until you really start like getting to know each other. I feel so my, my very first experience where I met met from a friend was in uh, was in high school. Uh, the smartest kid in class, Ben Kotnick. We had open lunch so we could leave campus for lunch. So, he, and I was a big Bob Marley fan. So, I think people just assumed that I was already smoking. And so, he invited me to his house for lunch and he pulled out his sister's bong and we, and we hit it a couple of times. And of course, it was my first time. So, of course, I coughed my lungs out. Um, and then I had physics, I had physics right after lunch. And so, I just remember sitting in physics class just being kind of like on one, you know? Um, but it wasn't until that was my sophomore year junior year so it wasn't until five six years later um we had a couple more you know we bumped into each other a couple more times in college but uh, it was my senior year in college and i just was going through it you know and i had never thought about cannabis as medicine or even like making me feel better i just thought it was something that we do to try you know to be bad <laughs> and so as i was going through it and my roommate said here you need to chill and so i took a couple hits from his bomb and and i felt better and it wasn't just like i felt better but i but my mind was more clear and i started to come up with like problems i mean i started to come up with solutions to the issues that had me tied up in knots and and things got better and so that was when we were really like okay there's something here and then a couple of years later similar situation i was playing for the saints i was in new orleans i broke my ankle dealing with injuries and just being in a bad place my same friend was like here you need to chill and it's stuck, you know. I realized at that point I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a grown ass man. I can do what I want, and I'm doing something that's really difficult and really stressful. And if I don't find a way to take better care of myself, I'm not going to survive. And so, that, that's when we that's when we got together for real. I love that, man. Appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. And something I, I've seen you talk about, I believe, in in interviews in past is not just the physical medicinal properties of cannabis, but but the mental. And that's something for, for me that I dealt with chronic pain for a long time. And people used to always ask me to use cannabis for your pain. And, and I would say, I mean, sure. But what it provided me was more of the mental relief was when you have this chronic problem that doesn't turn off, it really fucks with your head at a certain point. Like I, I equate it to being flicked in the ear or something the back of the head and it just never stops and it starts to just drive you crazy at some point but cannabis would be something that could relax my mind and just let my mind wander on other things that weren't just the pain and so for you i'm just curious how much was the the medicinal properties when you found it physical um versus mental or was it just a, a mixture of both of them <clears throat> for me it was i mean at least in my experience at the time it was a hundred it was a hundred percent mental you know because you know, at this time, the, the the team doctors and the trainers were giving us stuff to take care of the physical stuff. So I, I, it wasn't even really on my mind, but the mental stuff was always on my mind, you know? 
Uh, and I think later on in my career, um, when I started to, to understand what was going on more, I stopped taking the stuff that the trainers were giving me. And I did, and I did see physical, physical pain benefits. But for me, the physical pain benefits was more about the mind shift. You know, I, I think when I, when I consume and I feel pain, you know, the first thing I do is I, I stretch. You know, I get on the ground, I, I work on my breathing. I try to the, just bring more relaxation to those areas of my body. And I, what I found, and you know, I studied yoga and all that stuff, is that when the when the mind is all tied up in knots, the body gets all tied up in knots. Mm. And so I found by by loosening up my mind and opening my mind, my body tended to relax too, and I healed faster. And what was it like? Like obviously, at that point, you know, the, the stigma of cannabis was much higher than it is now. We, we've came a long ways in, in, in you know probably the twenty years or, or since then. Um, we still have a, quite a ways to go, but there there was quite a bit of a stigma, and, and cannabis wasn't legalized as adult use in, in any sense of of, of the way. Um, how difficult or what lengths did you have to go to to kind of conceal the use of cannabis during that time period? No, it's, it's, it's funny because the idea of a stigma, you know, there's a couple parts. One is the is just the public stigma, you know, even and we see this even in legal markets. You know, some people when they talk when they talk about cannabis, they, their voice goes down, they whisper, you know, and, and that's real. But it's, it's based on our fear of what other people think about us for, you know, there's always that. But a deeper stigma for me was it was so stigmatized that the NFL punishes people if they get caught smoking. And so the stigma was, you know, it was only affecting my, the way I feel about myself amongst people around, it was affecting my livelihood. And, and so once I got into the drug program, the, the whole idea of concealing took on a, a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother dimension. Cause I wasn't only concealing the fact that I'm doing it, but I was concealing all the evidence, you know, AKA my urine <laughs> that, that I was still, that I was still doing it. And so you know, when we get in difficult situations, we improvise. And so, you know, through some experimentation, I found some drinks I could take that would clean my urine for five hours. Um, timing, you know, later when I graduated past the drinks, it became timing where I, I was getting tested at one point nine times a month. And so I knew if I smoked right after one test, I had like two and a half days, you know, I usually could take a hit or two and be good. Um, so I, I had to figure I had to figure out a way to, to maintain my wellness while also maintaining a livelihood, my livelihood. And obviously because I was suspended a couple of times, you know, I missed it. <laughs> oh my God. I missed a couple of times, but for the most part, I was still able to play you know, over 10 years in the NFL. So I figured it out. And I think in life, you know, to really maintain quality, because there's a lot of rules and stigmas and shit out there. That's not, it's not real. It's not good. It's not good for us. And if we live according, based on those stigmas, we suffer. And so we have to find that middle ground where we're willing to be ourselves. And I think in best case scenario, we we are being ourselves and we change the stupid rules. And we're starting to see that sports leagues are starting stop are stopping testing people for cannabis. And that's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, we, we've came a long ways and, and, and a lot of things have changed since then. Um, but to continue, you know, to go through that period and to be suspended and to be vilified for cannabis use in, in a time period where that was kind of the MO of cannabis, you, you use cannabis, you get associated to being a certain type of person, obviously, slightly has changed quite a bit since then. Like I said, there's still a ways to go. But for yourself, was it just the med medicinal benefits that just clearly severely outweighed that stigma? 
Um, cause I know a lot of people that don't smoke or don't have a relationship with the plant will be like, why did you just not quit smoking? Like, what was your pro did you process? Like, maybe I should stop for a minute or, or what was kind of the thought process around that? So it's what I was saying, the two stigmas, there's the external stigma and then there's the deeper stuff. For me, when I started consuming cannabis, I started to become, I started to care and be more aware of how I felt about shit, you know? And as a football player, especially back then, you had to kind of shut off how you felt about shit. Because if you felt, you'd be like, I ain't doing that shit. And so when I started to get in tune with my heart and what was really important to me, I realized that being a professional football player was not that important to me. And what I was paying for it and what I was receiving it back in my mind and my consciousness, it didn't, it didn't make sense. And people think it's crazy when I say this, but it's true. Cannabis did much, for, much more for me than the NFL did than playing football. Because at the end of my life, if all I ever did was play football and I dedicated my whole life to that, yeah, I might have a lot of rewards and I might be in the Hall of Fame and all, I might have a, a shit ton of money, but what, what else, right? I can't take any of those things with me, right? But, but getting to know myself and live a life that feels more meaningful, I feel like that is exactly what I can take with me. And so it's kind of like a, re a religious awakening and, and it's kind of, it's getting more, you know, we're, we're allowed to talk about this more, but for me, even if we look at the history of cannabis, it's been associated with spirituality and connecting to the divine and, or we say connecting to ourselves. And that was my experience. You know, I stopped caring so much about what people on the outside thought. And I started caring about how I felt about things more. And as soon as I started to do that, all my priorities shifted. And so, it, it, I could tell the story like that, that the benefits outweighed, outweighed the punishment. But in reality, I just got clear on like who I was and what my life was about. And it was more about having these kind of conversations. And football has given me the platform to have these conversations. But that's all football was. It was a platform. And then, you know, as cannabis moved towards legalization and started to create opportunities uh, at what point in legalization did you start having aspirations to uh, get in the industry and or create a brand? Well, funny, I really didn't have any aspirations. I mean, in the beginning, my aspiration was just to live my life in peace and not have to deal with this shit, you know? And then a teammate of mine called me up, Kyle Turley, and said, hey, there's a, a big conference in Arizona at the convention center. Why don't you come speak? Tell your story. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, hung up the phone. I started thinking about it. The first thing I thought is, they have cannabis conventions in a convention center? <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, all right. And I started thinking about it more. And I was like, what am I hiding from? I was like, everybody knows I smoke anyway. You know? And so I called him back up and I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I flew out to Phoenix and it was, it was trippy because I've spoken on a lot of panels and a lot of public speaking. But this was the first time I was doing public speaking about my experience with cannabis. And I remember sitting up on the stage, all the people out there, and I first time telling my story, you know, and things were coming out of my mouth. And I was like, damn, you know? And as I was speaking, I was like, everything I was taught about cannabis is very different from my actual experience. And that it's good for me to share this experience, but I'm thinking it's probably good for other people to hear somebody sharing these experiences. And I just kind of got addicted to telling my story, you know, something that I spent so, so much, so much time hiding and keeping buried, I realized that there were people that were finding a lot of benefit from me being willing to share it. And so I was going to a lot of these conventions, a lot of these conferences, and you know, these conferences, they have all these booths. And that's when it really hit me that, oh shit, this is like a real industry. And then I started thinking, okay, you know, obviously I have a story, uh, you know, and I have an interest and a love for this plan. I've 
you know, sacrificed a lot for it. So I'm sure there's some something in this industry that, that's going to feel really good to me. And so the first company we launched is uh, called what's called Real Wellness. Still, still is called Real Wellness. And, and you know, part of my journey, I studied herbalism, and you know, cannabis kind of opened my mind to that plants are like cool, right? And they can help us with a lot of shit. And so studied herbalism, and I thought, you know, it'd be great to create a brand that brings herbalism and cannabis together in ways that people are, can truly think about medicinal marijuana. And so we, we launched Real Wellness in 2018. And as I was going around promoting real wellness, you know, I would see people in the dispensary and they'd be like, where's the weed at, Rick? You know, and so I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I need to, maybe I need to, you know, stop being so stubborn and really like speak to more of the quote unquote recreational crowd. And about this time, one of my business partners in another venture, you know, started, started like messing around and calling me Heisman, you know, the Heisman, the Heisman, the Heisman. And with H-I-G-H. And, you know, we looked at each other one day and we were like, I think it's time, you know? We felt like we got something and people need to hear. We got a meaningful story and we can use my contacts to see if we can like make a run at this. And so we, we, we took our shot and, uh, and we're doing it. And you know, it's, it's funny because we're, we're not cultivators, you know? But I would definitely call myself a connoisseur. Um, but what I do have, I think I have an actual brand. I, I grew up as an athlete. And so the brand that I grew up really worshiping with Nike, you know, I was a huge Bo Jackson fan, you know, that you know, I, I played baseball, too. So that picture of him in the shoulder pads and the bat on it. Oh, man, that, that's who I wanted to be, you know, and it's true. I, I, I can I can prove it. Right. When I would put on my Bo Jacksons, I would run a little bit faster, you know. So there's something about a brand that it activates something inside of you that turns into something greater coming out of you than before. And when I was going through all my shit with cannabis, there's nobody out there saying anything positive about it. Nobody. At least not that I that I was in contact with, and and it and it made my experience so much more difficult. And so, part of my passion for doing this is that people who have positive experiences with cannabis, right, don't have to look too far to see that oh, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, and so, and that's our message because as a football player, college, NFL, everything we did was about how to become better, how to improve ourselves, right? And for me, that included cannabis. And so I have that experience. I have that story to share with people. And I think it's fascinating. Another thing is you talked about the stigma, okay? After I went through all this shit with cannabis at the University of Texas, right? They still they still put up a statue, you know, in my honor. And they still named the football field after me, after all of this stuff. So there's like this fear that people have of the stigma. I'm trying to be proof that it's bullshit. You know, right. as long as you get rid of the fear inside of you, okay, right, you help get rid of the fear inside of other people, and we can all start being more honest and be real about who we are and what's important to us. Oh man, I, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And and entering, like you said, when you first entered the the the, the space and started touring these conferences and and getting out there and mingling with the people, obviously, as, as being a cannabis consumer, that that kind of immediately puts you in the the cannabis community, if you will, in quotations. Um, but once you start going to these cannabis centered events where everything is so centered around cannabis, it is this kind of true community of, of like you said, a, a lot of things in the past we had to hide who we were, whether we were cultivators, whether we sold it or whether we just partaked into it. You, you could not show everything that was about yourself to everyone. You had to keep that in the tuck to some extent. But as we move to legalization and start going to these conferences and events, like for me, the biggest eye opening thing has been able to find so many people who share that same story and feel this just sense of like their shoulders relaxing. And I know coming from sports, my, my friends that play sports at a high level say one of the biggest things they miss post playing 
is is brotherhood and, and kind of the community in the locker room or with the team. Do you get kind of that same vibe inside the cannabis community? Oh, I, I feel like I get it even more because part of what creates the brotherhood in football is that we go through training camp together, you know, <laughs> is we go through like really difficult stuff together and that bonds people because it's something that only you can share, you know, and we, we have one of our, um, our advisors, Shanita, you know, she's like, she's just one of those women that just has their shit together, you know? And so I was like, how, I was like, how did you end up here? You know? And she kind of laughed and she told the story of having a corporate job and, you know, failing a drug test and just like the embarrassment because she had been the one that always had it together and just going through that experience. And, you know, like you said, some people would probably say, well, why don't you just quit smoking? But for someone who actually been through it and gets it and can look you eye to eye and you can share that experience with, man, see, it's to me, that's a that's a more powerful brotherhood than, than what I experienced on the football field. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could, I could see that. I, I play football, you know. I, I don't know the brotherhood inside the locker room, but, but I understand the community inside cannabis, and it's definitely a, definitely a powerful thing. I think for anyone that that experiences it, and I, and I want to take it back a second because I, I had wrote down I was going to address that you also played baseball, um, and I was going to ask you if Bo Jackson was was an influence in that um, coming up playing sports, you know, the, to excel in one sport at the level of which you did. What was the desire to for more? You know what I mean? What was the desire to do another sport? Was it just kind of two passions and you couldn't necessarily just pick one or 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 you just uh you know had an appetite to to grind and hustle, you know, year round? I definitely had a, a grind I definitely like to grind. And it was fun because when I played minor league baseball, it was doing college football. So I would do college uh for the for the fall and the spring, and then as soon as I took my finals. I drive down to Florida, get in baseball shape, and then I go wherever the Phillies sent me, and I and I play baseball all the way up until a week before a football training camp. Then I fly back to Austin and go through training camp. And one of the reasons is it kept me out of the the Texas heat for those off season workouts. <laughs> but but also I would always come back from from baseball like fast, you know, and like slim down a little bit. So I was ready. I was ready for the football season. So I had a nice I had a nice grind and a nice rhythm, but it was the Bo Jackson thing. And actually, for me, I grew up in San Diego watching the Padres, and I was a huge Tony Tony Gwynn fan. And so baseball was my first love. Well, you know, when I was a kid and thought I was going to be a professional athlete, it was baseball. And then when I got to middle school, I started playing football, and I just was really good. So baseball was more for the love of it. Football was more because I was really good at it. And I told all of the colleges that recruited me, I said, I'm playing minor league baseball. And I told all the baseball clubs that recruited me, I said, I'm going to college and playing football. So you know, I just wanted to have that experience as long as I possibly could. And, you know, again, I didn't play sports at a high level, but, you know, I, I may or may not have allegedly sold weed at a decently high level. And so plenty, plenty of uh, plenty of college uh, football, basketball, baseball players, you know, definitely were picking up uh, between, between the two sports, baseball and football. Who blows more trees? Football, football, for sure. That's 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 yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Definitely a little bit more, a little bit more pain management in there. But you know, I I don't know. From my experience, the baseball team always seemed to be the the the, the smokers. That, but I can see on the other side of that. Well, I think part of that is because for for most part, baseball coaches tend to be more chill than football coaches. And so, if you're on the baseball team and you know you get busted for weed, they might have you run a couple of laps. If you get busted on a football team, the coach is going to try to run you off the team. 
Oh man, I can, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, baseball coaches is definitely chilling. Um, They're probably smoking too. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, know my yeah. baseball coach. I know my coach Williams, my baseball coach. I know for sure he's an old hippie. I know he was smoking. <laughs> Um, when it comes to to the cannabis industry, right? Like it's it's been looked at as as the, the you know they call it the green rush, the gold rush. It's clearly not that. It's an agriculture good with with thin margins, overtaxed, overregulated. Um, for for other people, I'm sure other athletes have approached you about you know your perspective of getting into the industry. What's kind of those first pieces of game that you kick everyone that's just interested in entering the space? Educate, yeah, educate yourself. You know, and it is is weird because coming from the, the past, you know, things that are illegal, we don't tend to associate that with educating ourselves. And so I think that's what we that's what a dark age is. It's, there's no there's no research. There's no science, not even any open minded thought about something. And so the first thing I tell people is like, educate yourself, educate yourself on the plant, educate yourself on the industry. You know, part of what Heisman is what we're working on right now is creating like uh, like workshops and creating opportunities for, for athletes to educate themselves on what's going on. Because it's it's twofold for athletes. One, you know, a lot of them have resources and want to invest and get into it. And so they become a target for people. And so part of it is helping them discover and find out like, who you can trust and who's okay to work with and who you probably shouldn't trust. Because you know how it is, especially with any kind of rush, everybody rushes in. And, and the other part is, and this is my main message to athletes. I say, you know, like we've been through some intense kind of training and we have we have been taught how to learn something and how to become really good at something. So find something, you know, explore the whole cannabis space, the industry and find something that you're really passionate about and put your put out everything you've learned, put it to work doing this kind of thing. Because like, like anything, business is hard, you know, and, and most of us have been playing sports our whole life. We haven't been focused on business. And so if we don't educate ourselves and find something that we're truly passionate about, we're not going to survive. And that's what you're seeing right now. All the people that came for the rush and don't have the real passion, you know, they're not, they're not around. They're not around much anymore. You know, see so the, the quick cash grabbing out or the quick crash and burn. We've seen a lot of that and we're going to continue to see that when, when it comes to, to product development, choosing strains, I know you guys do the, do a unique approach with the with the the pregame halftime post-time approach of like classifying things taking away from the 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 indica and sativa and catering around kind of experiences in a unique way that ties back to the brand but for yourself specifically as a fan of the plant what do you look for when it comes to a strain is it look smell flavor taste effects and and which one of those categories do you kind of outweigh the other ones or put the most importance on yeah, great question. So, you know, to me, look, it, I, I don't really care. I don't, <laughs> I don't really care what it what it looks like. For me, is I need to see the carryover from from the smell, okay, to the to the flavor, to the taste, to the effect. I need to see that carryover come all the way through. Because sometimes, you know, you'll smell something, right? <laughs> it's like in football, we have those real the real buff dudes, right? But then when the when the whistle blows, uh, uh-uh, they're not ready for it. So sometimes you might smell something, like you know, when you roll it up and you hit it, it's bland. It's kind of mm-hmm. flat, you know. And so for me, I, I need to smell it. I need to. I need to taste it. Okay, the dry hit. I need to taste it. And then when I inhale, exhale, I need to taste it. For me, good flower. My my definition is after I smoke, I feel like I ate something. You know, mm-hmm. like I like my taste buds feel satiated. Mm. Yeah. 
That's that's my go-to. So I would say, and so flavor, flavor is, and I mean through taste is the is the main thing I'm looking for. Uh, that's a, that's a true smoker right there, man. It don't, you said it don't matter what it looked like; it could be ugly as hell, and if it still tastes good, then that's all. It's good to go. Um, when you were first getting cannabis, you know, back in the early 2000s, right? Um, you know, people might think, oh, you're an athlete, you have access to potentially the best. Was that true back then? And, and what kind of variety did you have access to at that point? Yeah. So this is why, like, back to the education. When I first started, I didn't have any education. So, so in the sense that I was paying top dollar for an ounce, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> right in in that sense right when the when when i talked to my guy he would say okay i got i got the 180 ounce i got the 250 and i got the 480 you know and so based on my limited education i was smoking good yeah variety variety wasn't always wasn't always there especially in the in the early in the early 2000s no, hundred percent. And that's where even learning about strains back then, it was whatever, whatever, you know, whatever your guy had, you'd be lucky if you had three of them. And then whatever you're hearing in rap songs, you know what I mean? That was about <laughs> the extent of the, the information besides the, you know, some of the, the classic mainstays, but moving into now, right? Like we're, we're spoiled. We're so fucking spoiled compared to those days. What, what are some of your, your staple strains? I know as a cannabis smoker, you, you're never going to stop looking for some new iteration of a classic, but what are some of the staples that you like to keep in rotation? Yeah, I'm always looking for a good haze. Always, you know, always, always looking for a good haze. Uh, you know, I always like a good Kush. You know, I'm, I'm, I like more of the old school staples. And like you said, the new variations, but you can still taste it, that flavor, that, that reminiscent flavor. Um, what else? I'm a big fan of, of Gorilla Glue 4, the mm. GG4. Big fan. And then, you know, being a big Bob Marley fan, I always if I see some lamb's bread, I always grab it. If I see a, a land race strain, I'm always curious because I, I wasn't I wasn't down in Sac last week and I've always been looking for a red Congolese, you know, always looking for red Congolese. And I found one. And just the flavors are different, you know, they're, they're different. So I like to switch it up. I like to switch it up every once in a while and find something new. What uh, what state you feel like provides the most uh, the most fire cannabis? No, I know you operate in quite a bit of states, so no disrespect to some of them. But what 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 place do you think is home to the best cannabis? Um, from my own personal experience, uh, Hawaii, that that's that's where I had like just fire. Um, in the the legal market, I have to say Oregon. You know, at least as far when I go to Oregon, I'm always blown away by by the like the massive variety of different genetics they have there, you know? And, you know, at least for me, you know, between a quarter and a half of the people that I meet in Oregon are growing organically in living soil. And I find there is something you, when someone knows how, what they're doing and they're growing organically, there is something that you can't always get with salts, you know? I know some master growers who can do magic, you know, getting the plant to express itself in, in, in salts, but there's something about something growing in living soil that's, that's different. Um, and so definitely I say in, in a general region or area, I say the Pacific Northwest grows, grows the best, but, um, at least that's my experience. My guy, man, my guy, or, or, you know, I, I live in Washington. I lived in Oregon for a while, but for many, many years in the early 2000s to early 2000s, Oregon 
was again allegedly the source of where I where I source my my cannabis from. Um, and I'll say as a yeah. consumer, uh, you know, the West Coast is home to the best weed, but you know, there's definitely something about Oregon I feel like that gets a slight edge again personally. And then as a consumer, being able to go in there and have the deli style to back to what we were talking about earlier is you don't just get to look at it, you get to smell it. And if it's looking right, smelling right, and the bud tender cosigns it, it's most likely gonna taste. You know you got something. Exactly. That's the other thing. Like, you know, I, again, we're in prepackaged and I get it. And, you know, there's a lot of advantages, but there's just been so many in my personal experiences of buying prepackaged flour and getting home and just being mad, like mad, you know? So, so I, I do love Oregon and that we get to be deli style and people get to appreciate our work before they purchase it. What what are you looking for? Obviously, you guys are in you know Hasman's in Arizona, California, Massachusetts, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and up here in Washington, where I stay at. What are you guys looking for when you partner with with cultivators in each of those markets? Yeah, yeah. So so Eric, our CEO, he you know he makes sure that they're good with our with our business model. Um, but for me, it's is like I'll spend a whole day, at least a whole day with the team, the cultivation team, and talking to them about not only how they grow and what they grow, but how they think about the plant, you know? And and so for me, I got to feel like we're on like at least similar or the same level that I can feel good, not only about the processes, but about the like the intent and the spirit that goes into the into growing the flower. Um, and if we check both boxes, you know, we, we typically move forward. Yeah, that's. I, I know Eric had told me that that you like to get on site and like to try out the flavors and and tour around with the team. Um, when you're trying flavors, you know how how many flavors are you going to try in a single day when you're looking for a partner like that? In a single day, I try to do one a day. Okay. You know? Because especially you know because I want to sit with it, you know. It's like some when I have to do those taste tests, like yeah, I can get it, and I can move on, but sometimes the effect takes a little bit longer to kick in, and I want to like, like have an experience, you know? Because for me, part of my 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 process is like, what do I feel like doing after I smoke this, and how do I feel when I'm doing it, you know? Because you know, again, I'm kind of a spiritual person, so there's something you know, people that can that know how to grow. Okay, there's something you can you can create a quality product, but again, the mindset and the intent that goes into it. That comes across too, uh, and so I need to like check check all the boxes before I feel good about putting my name on something. Man, I agree. I mean, cannabis is a, a living thing, and and the people that grow it, you know, I've never been a grower myself, but I know the, the the product that I can't argue with the the end result. The people that grow some of that stuff, they definitely treat it on a spiritual level, whether they're super in tune with it from that aspect or or it's honestly uh, not super you know subconscious for them um what what does the future hold for heisman i mean you guys are in a couple markets I, I, likely expanding to other markets but what, what's the future hold for you guys in 2023 and beyond yeah is you know we describe ourselves as a lifestyle brand but in establishing our lifestyle brand we wanted to start with flour to establish authenticity but a big project we're working on now are opening up heisman houses you know and it's like consumption lounges that have a vibe where people can come and enjoy sports Right, and enjoy the things that are important to them while consuming. Um, and really getting getting this this lifestyle out into the world to make it something that people can engage with on a daily basis and, and continually receive receive value. And so another example is in Arizona, you know, we launched Heisman Yoga 
in we're, we're looking to open up a yoga studio so it's something that people can experience outside of a dispensary that has nothing to do with the cannabis kind of have that experience that drives them into a dispensary to incorporate cannabis in their lives in a meaningful way and so we're, we're constantly thinking of ways to integrate cannabis into into the mainstream and a, a brand gives us a perfect opportunity to be able to do that Man, I love that. I mean, you yourself as a, as a personal brand has obviously been one of those people that's helped break the stigma, um, you know, for having the backlash for cannabis use, but being an athlete on the highest platform, providing, provi performing at the highest level is just honestly that that existence would help break the stigma of cannabis. And I love what you guys are continuing to do to use this platform to kind of connect the dots. So I really salute you on that. Um, you know, for people out there that want to get more information, man, Heisman.com, H-I-G-H-S-M-A-N, at Heisman on Instagram and at Williams on Instagram, because somehow Ricky was lucky enough to get a, a handle like that. Uh, hey. <laughs> and luck, it sure was luck. Somebody just called me up. I was like, hey, do you want it? And I was like, sure, I'll take you. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to plug before we get you up out of here, man? Just, you know, last thing that, you know, when we launched this, it was never just about me. I feel like I'm the figurehead and, and to like get the ball rolling. But our, our main focus right now is to, is to try to encourage other athletes. You know, they don't have to be rah-rah promoting, but at least to be honest and share their story. Because there are so many athletes, people that we watch on television and, we, and we're excited and inspired by their performance, right? And a lot of those performers are using cannabis to help them get there. Thank you guys for tuning in this episode of the RMR podcast. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe is somewhere down there. Go ahead and hit that. Go ahead and mash a comment. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, make sure to follow. Check in in the future, man. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll be back with more content. Thank you for tuning in. This is the fourth episode of this week. We got more on the way.